Hello and welcome to another episode of the St. George's Radio Staff, the official podcast of the Church of St. George the Mark in Kales River, alongside the chapelries of St. Mark and St. Monica's. I am Lindsay Shooters and I'm your host on this exploration of faith during this time of crisis. I'm joined as always by the rector of our parish, Archdeacon Rodney Whiteman. Father Rodney, how are you doing today? Good day to you, um, Lindsay, uh, through the grace of God. Um, we are in a good space. Um, we had a blessed week. Um, and also uh, looking forward to starting uh, with the reopening again of the churches um, in the new level three. Um, of course, it comes with all these challenges, but we're looking forward to embracing them as well. Um, family all doing all right, Lindsay. Thank you and yours. Uh, my family is great. Um, yeah, as, as good as we can be. I was out um, on in the shops today and I can see there's a there's more vigilance among the people of Cape Town now than there was before this last wave, the second wave of infections. And that is a good thing. There is always the threat of it spiking again. So please sanitize regularly, wear the mask when in public and physical distance as far as possible. This is Transfiguration Sunday. Jesus goes to the mountaintop with a couple of the disciples and has a profound, not really profound, <laughs> I think profound is the wrong word there. He experiences the transfiguration. We'll talk about that a little bit later. The theme this week is transform our lives in his image and write your law of love on our hearts. Um, Father, you want to discuss the theme a little bit. Why did you focus in on that specific part of the collect? Um, that, that specific part of the, of the collect um, is when we, having celebrated who God is as the holy God, the God of the mountain, the one who reveals Christ, we now are asking God to transform us, to change us, to grow us, uh, so that our lives reflect God's image or the image of Christ. And in so doing, so it's, it's almost as if we're going back to the time when Genesis says, let us make man in our own image. Now, transform suggests we've already been made. Now we just need transformation. So something has happened to the image of God within us. And so it's a transform is about restoration of, of that image of God in us. The, the, the image is marred, but it's still there. Mm. Uh, uh, the mm. image is shattered, but it's still there. Um, and then as God transforms us, which is a process of his work in our lives, the image, so we are asking him to work also more deeply within us. And that is... Um, what, whatever we have written on our hearts throughout of our lives, experiences, our, um, our, uh, we're looking forward to God renewing or continuing to write the law of, of his love on our hearts so that God may pen into our hearts that narrative, that script, which will, that divine script, which will then, in collaboration with the restoring of his image within us, enable us to um, speak in ways that would glorify God, would speak and breathe into 
the atmosphere of our world, um, uh, uh, um, new values of, of, of for, for a new society, a new way of thinking, mm. a new way of being, so that we can be the channels through which God's work would, would be done uh, uh, in us and through us. Okay. Um, so, Father, okay. if you could just call the minds together with the collective prayer, and I'll catch up with you after that. We thank you very much for joining us. We greet you in the name of the Lord. And as the theme suggests, it's it's Transfiguration Sunday, which is a very special part of the calendar of the church. Um, and it starts, as it were, as an introduction to the Lenten season, uh, which I always find very interesting. And the words of our first hymn says, Oh, praise God. All praise to you, O oh God. So, it's a uh, it it it's, it is about a season of praise. Although we will enter into a season of penance during the Lenten season. So, as God asks um, us to gather His faithful ones, we do so by saying, "The Lord be with you," and we welcome you to this service, as Lindsay has already indicated. You know, tomorrow is um, the service. When you get this podcast, will be the service. But if you're following it, it's for deeper reflection on our text. So let us pray the colic together. Holy God, on the Mount of Transfigured, you revealed your Son as the Christ. Transform our lives in his image. Write your law of love on our hearts and make us prophets of your shining splendor. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, in glory everlasting. Amen. Amen. So, Father, the reading is from Paul's second letter to the people of Corinth, chapter 4, verses 3 to 6. But I would like to call you to verse 4. They do not believe because their minds have been kept in the dark, by the evil God of this world, small g God, Paul being a man of faith, believing that there is only one true God. What is this, Father? <laughs> well, I, I think that Paul would obviously have had an experience. Remember, his mind and his eyes were closed to who Jesus was. Mm. And um, what kept his mind in the dark? Uh, about who Jesus was. Uh, he had the understanding of God of the Old Testament, the God of the law, the mm. Torah, the God of the covenant. And um, as far as he was concerned, that was the only religion he espoused to until mm. he met mm. Jesus on the road of uh, Damascus and had come to faith in the Lord Jesus. And then he's experience that whatever he received as a Hebrew, he gave up and yet up, giving it up, meant that what, what Jesus brought to him, then could, he could see what he received in the past as something in a different light that God had, had offered him. It wasn't totally to waste. I think it was really the arrogant spirit in which he, he was taught it and believed it. And so having come to faith, having come to believe, um, he saw the value of all of this. 
So why are people's minds closed when good news is preached into their context? Mm. Why are people not able to hear and see? Why are the responses one of darkness? So, so does does um, does the gods, as as some people would say, have control over our thinking, over our uh, seeing, over our responses, um, over our hearing? Um, uh, if that is so, can they we can can we having come to faith in the gospel that Paul now preached? be liberated from the God of darkness, the God of evil that do not want us to have illumination, do not want us to be enlightened, do not want us Jesus Christ. So Paul was trying to, to understand maybe from his own experience what kept him in the dark. Was it the arrogance? Was it the fact that they thought they had right, that they received it all, mm. that gave them inability to actually respond to a gospel or the gospel being preached? which he now understood was of eternal value for all. But um, uh, he, 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 his, his words were, they do not believe. That's their choice. Mm. Why mm. don't they believe? Because their minds have been kept in the dark by the God of evil. So is he also throwing a, a clip into the boss where you you didn't reflect is my is my lack of faith my lack of, of uh, response to what i'm hearing now as a result of being trapped in the darkness by the evil god of this world as mm. i suppose mm. he was alluding to satan there that um, my mind is in the grips of satan and if it's so then what must i do about it Mm. So it probably is a message both to those that chose to believe and those that chose at that stage not to believe, to try and get them to see why are these sponsors uh, lacking any sense of faith to the preaching of the gospel? Mm. I, I, I take your point, but it's still very strange to me because, um, and I'm going to steal words from a personality called Donald Glover. He's a Rapper, actor, musical artist, comedian, multi-talented, multifaceted individual. And he was reflecting on the contents of his album Because the Internet. And he was saying that we've reached a moment where we are so connected to each other. Like we've never been as connected as we are um, thanks to the magic that is the Internet. But we are still lonely and we've created this space where people can't really express their current truth with the risk of having to retract it later for it to be wrong later. Um, like we, we, we've stunted personal growth really with cancel culture. Um, and like year it, I, I, I get the fact that that is representing everything that might cause a person to make the decision to not believe the good news. Um, but does that then, obviously his faith makes him a believer that there's only one righteous path, 
and that is walking the path of Jesus. But surely we can now, with the knowledge that we have, make room for those who do not believe the words of the Bible and have different religions. Not so? You see, the words of the Bible should be pointing to what Paul calls the gospel mm. of Jesus Christ. It's not just about the Bible. It's about the Bible containing Jesus Christ, the fulfillment of God's message in all of time. Mm. And God mm. reveals on the mount, later on we will read this, exactly this, Christ, this Jesus that he sent, who is part of the Godhead, and as we've said in previous times, God's Son indeed. Now, so, so when, when, when we hear, and, and again, I mean, it's not just a gospel, Paul, and he was challenging what we experience in the world. Whilst we, let's look at this. Whilst the internet is good news for connectivity, mm. it is bad news because as soon as you put anything on there, judged by what you're saying without people really knowing who you are. Mm. So, obviously, em, embracing an understanding of your point, the internet has made it such that it would seem as the, the this virtual space is the globe. Mm. So, I can speak from South Africa, but I may not necessarily... Or, or been seen to speak from my context. I may be seen to speak as an individual who's just intellectualizing without any form of rootedness. So mm. when I have no sense of rootedness in a community, when I have no sense of rootedness in a faith, in uh, values, then I would feel very lost and lonely and rejected on, on the outside there. What does this gospel of Jesus do? It makes us part of um, who God is, and it makes us part of what for the world, of which the internet may be one little aspect. Mm. In touch with it doesn't fulfill the real need. And, and, and how many people have decided they no longer want to watch so much internet? They no longer want to be on all these various spaces or virtual spaces because mm. they need the in-person mm. effect. They need the one-on-one do for us. If we are in darkness, if we're kept in darkness and there's no, not even light within ourselves, following in internal darkness because what we do see is not necessarily seen with the eyes of hope but with the eyes of fear. Mm. So what is the gospel trying to say to us? And when we hear it and we receive it, what does it do for us on the inside that addresses the issues that I just spoke about now, loneliness and so on, and, and also where it's God wants to work. So my approach to internet therefore becomes a whole lot different to how I will approach it if I did not have that rootedness, if I did not have that transforming work of God in my life. Mm. 
um, uh, 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 transforming us within the image of Christ, writing his law of love on our hearts. If that was in the sense of that happening, then yes, I'm going to feel very, although I may be connected, I'll feel very disconnected to myself and to, to God and others. Mm. But it's important, um, and it's, this is a point I try and bring across to my children as well, um, specifically my daughter, because my son's a little bit young still. Um, but, like, we should be creating things or contributing to the internet economy more than we consume. Because when you are just a passive consumer, that's when it becomes a dangerous tool or a, or a dangerous force that can alter your perception of the world and take in all sorts of messages that may not be true where it's created it was invented as a tool to be used um, to express your ideas and your thoughts and your creativity and like the internet should be working harder for you if you are spending upwards of 500 rand on a smartphone bill, including data and everything, like you should be getting return on investment. <laughs> on <that>. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> if, if that's the means of communication you are holding in your hand, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, I certainly, I mean, it's it's not just a, a, a form of communication, it's a form of, of, of interaction. Source mm. where one could. I'm, I'm trying to, to be more faithful to a course I'm doing through Harvard University yeah. on reading, yeah. learning the, 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 the learning Christianity through the reading of the scriptures. I'm a bit far behind. That has walked the length of time in terms of my pastoral work as a priest, my interaction with the scripture, the things one has done on theological base, uh, level basis. I, I still find that interaction very refreshing. Mm. Um, and I know I can mm. use what I've been learning to my own uh, improvement and that of the ministry that I that I have. Hmm. Yeah, I was listening to a, a podcast with another like captain of industry, um, with Mark Cuban, um, billionaire in the states. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. And he was saying that if you go into an interview, or if anybody comes to him in an interview, the first question he asks them now is, "How did you improve yourself?" during the pandemic. So if you lost your job, like the worst case scenario, or if you were sitting at home all the time because you couldn't go anywhere, like how did you improve yourself? What skills did you add? Because you had the time <laughs> yeah, and the yeah. resources, hopefully. Um, how did you then improve yourself? But moving on, talking about improvement, moving on to the gospel, which is according to Mark, in chapter 9, verses 2 to 9, it's the story of the transfiguration. And it starts off saying, six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John. Very grammatically terrible uh, <laughs> uh, sentence there. Um, and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. And his clothes became dazzling white such as no one on the earth could bleach them. And they appeared with and they appeared to them Elijah with Moses, who were talking with Jesus. What is the purpose of the transfiguration? Because we've now had at the baptism, this is my son. Um 
we've had Jesus doing the miracles and everything. So like the apostles who are with him are already believers. Like he doesn't need to bang that drum any harder <laughs> for them. Like he's preaching to the choir. And then he still tells them after God makes his big appearance and then Elijah and Moses disappear. Um, he's like, don't tell anybody about this. So what is the purpose of this story? So what, what is what is what came to my mind as you were sh sharing, if we sort of taking uh, um, this journey of Jesus with Mark mm. um, in the previous chapter, um, verses 27 of, of chapter eight, Jesus, people say I am, who do you say I am? And as, after Peter had shared, you are the Christ, the son of the living God, um, his death, his arrest and all of that. And Peter says, you know, you don't, don't, don't talk about that. And then Peter and, and Jesus says, get behind, get behind me, get behind me, Satan. So, this, mm. so here was uh, somebody who had just had this wonderful revelation, had made the declaration of that revelation. And then suddenly could not see within that the bigger aspect of the passage of death um, as, as the way that this Christ would be ultimately revealed. And, mm. and so well, suddenly mm. his mind was darkened uh, by this, by this uh, new narrative of Jesus' death and resurrection. I think it was the second time Jesus had spoken about this. So now Peter is again in the dark. He has to have a new revelation, a new opening of, of, of his mind to, to Christ. What, mm. what best could do this? Now, we are understanding that, and, and this is, I mean, you said there was a very bad sentence took within Peter and James and John. Um, remember, this is a, a translation, probably mm. the better translation mm. of, the, of, the, of the Greek version of this text. Um, and I wonder whether the and and the and there is to just say there were only two ands. So three people went up. There were no more ands after that. Mm. It, was, it was these three guys. They played a, a pivotal role in terms of the leadership of the church eventually. Mm. Um, uh, some people to take it as sort of the inner circle of Jesus um, where he was, you know, fine-tuning who they were as leaders eventually to take over. So they, above the others, would need to have been exposed to something even more um, that could make it much more a little clearer who they are really journeying with. Because, I mean, uh, if it takes eight chapters to understand life, we would all have understood it and never go on to the next part of the, of the chapters. Yeah. But it takes yeah. a lifetime to understand a lifetime, if not more than a lifetime mm. to understand a lifetime. So in the space of time, would Peter, James and John really have understood who Jesus really is? Again, on their own, they couldn't do it. Only God can reveal that to them. And yet again is an opportunity where God speaks to them about who Jesus is. So at the, at the Transfiguration now, Remember, chapter 9, verse 2, comes after the turning point of the gospel, which is Capernaum, chapter 8, mm. verse 27. Okay. So they now, Jesus is heading now to Calvary. He's heading yeah. to Jerusalem. Yeah. 
He's heading to the path of death now. He had, as it were, concluded his ministry. And now what would be happening is that will his disciples have a little bit more clarity because his death was impending. When he tells them it, they can't embrace it. Mm. Now, how does he help them to understand it on a different level? Maybe he needs a different voice to speak it. So, the, so, so I understand, you know, I mean, I can't speak this mystery out in words, I must. But what I'm feeling is this. And I only saw this in the latter part of our late. Why is the transfiguration read before Ash Wednesday? Mm. What are we meant to learn from it? And so, like at his baptism, now at the transfiguration, number one, and, and it, looks, it looks as if Jesus isn't phased by this. It's normal mm. to him to have to be in dazzling white. That was something that caught the attention of, the, of John, Peter, and James. Nice speaks to Elijah and Moses. What do they represent in the Old Testament? Uh, Elijah and Moses are both seen as prophets. Elijah silenced the voice of the, of the alien god Baal and his mm. prophets. Mm. And he was taken up into heaven, so he did not experience death as it were. Mm. Moses also did not experience death. We are told that God buried him on a secret mountain. So he didn't, nobody knows about his actual death. And he was the liberator from, mm. the, from, the, from the prisons of, 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 of Egypt. So Jesus is talking to two, two very prominent people in the Old Testament that has preceded him. So in a way, in him is the fulfillment of what had happened in the Old Testament. Mm bringing liberation and also in silencing the voice of, of, of false gods. And so in that company, um, Jesus is talking. It's amazing. We could read into that all kinds of things. Are they encouraging him to go on? Because mm. what he will face mm. is not what they will face. Mm. Um, were they, were they meant to give us an inclination of Jesus' continuing the prophetic ministry, the liberating ministry, and is the only true God? And so we, we then, again, as at baptism, we hear these affirming words when God writes the CV of Jesus. This is my son, the love and calls the world to listen to him. So in other words, Peter and Peter, you specifically have heard what Jesus said, but you, re you rebuked Jesus, mm. even though you were, I revealed to you who Jesus was. So now it's important for you to continue listening to him as the journey goes yet, because whatever he's going to say, including his death, 
is all part of my, my plan that will be fulfilled in the beloved son. Mm. Um, but it's a voice mm. they hear, not a person they see. Yeah. And um, now can you, can you imagine what would happen should they now go down that mountain and tell others about this extraordinary experience that they had? Imagine them being able to say, you know what? I had a vision of Elijah and Moses. Uh, and they were talking to Jesus. Was this mm. a vision? Was it just an appearance story? What was it that they really saw on that mountain? Um, and so if they were to tell it and again, I have to repeat, the Messianic secret was very real in St. Mark's Gospel. Mm. You cannot speak it the right time comes. Um, and Jesus tells them, and in fact, the word says he ordered them to tell no one, including the other nine disciples. Mm. But he says this message will not forever be sealed until after the Son of Man has risen from the dead. Then you can speak about it. So what has the resurrection got to do with the proclamation of this event? You can only talk about it once the Son of Man has risen from the dead. So what does the resurrection, the event of the resurrection, how does it impact who Jesus is when they, and we all now will reflect on this transfiguration narrative? Was this a foreshadowing of the resurrection? Um, um, uh, they don't only represent the prophets, the liberators, the ones who silence the false gods, but they also represent the community of heaven. Uh, mm. Those who have overcome. Um, and so only after the resurrection would any of this really begin to make sense once the story is proclaimed. And it's interesting that after this exhilarating experience, um, they go to a deserted place and it again he prays. Uh, this was a, um, if one puts it alongside um, other events in the gospel, one sees how after each experience there is this time where Jesus goes to find that solitude with the Father. Uh, uh, but, but look at it, three of them, Peter, James and John, they would also go to the Garden of Gethsemane with him. Yes. Where he would pray. Mm. At that time, he would ask them to, at this time, it says he prayed. So is he now just being the exemplary person, telling them what kind of life into which they are called to that? What, what association does prayer have with all these events that they experienced? Mm. You know, can we even talk about it without praying, without being in a lonely place with God? Mm. Because this is far beyond our comprehension. So Peter, this is now his third revelation. It was, follow me, Jesus um, healing his mother-in-law, and now the transfiguration. Also, 
mirrors the um, denials later on, um, which I think is a, a, a beautiful, uh, yeah, just beautiful imagery. Um, and then Jesus rolls from here. Next time we see him, he's in the wilderness. So like the next time the rest of the apostles see him is when he returns from the wilderness. Yeah. So, yeah. But that's, I mean, the, the wilderness is also the place where the, where the, um, his encounter with the devil in the fasting process was told, again, he was the, 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 you know, the son of God. He goes into the, to, by the spirit is led into the wilderness where he meets, he meets the devil. And uh, here he comes out of this, but where he, um, here he hears, this is my son, my beloved son, listen to him on the cross. He will say, my God, my God, why have you uh, deserted me? Yeah. So the, 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 the places, yeah. the place into which he's called to, to look for God, to uh, be encountered by God in a place where. Okay. Uh, so, like for me as well, um, I think Jesus needed, because this comes after he's now told the apostles what the game plan is, what the end game is. And they were like, nah, dude, can't we like do it a different way? And then that may have had some doubt, put some doubt in him. And he now needs to go out and seek more affirmation of like, am I on the right path? So then, and I was having this conversation with my father-in-law because we were talking about all the ills in the world. And to him, a lot of it is of people not following the Bible anymore. Um, and there was something that he mentioned, I, I forget now, but it, it, it struck a nerve with me where it's like you can't believe in, oh, it was th this whole thing is a punishment, like COVID thing. And it's like you can't believe in the wrath of God and the all-knowing God <laughs> at the same time. Like you have to pick one. <laughs> you know, so like for Jesus, yeah, you can't, we can't say that he is a part of the Godhead. Although I know he only really assumes that role after the resurrection. So at this time, we can consider him as just another mortal man who had this idea that he was the son of God. Yes, he had now, we've now illustrated a couple of affirmations coming directly from the mouth of God, which is fine. But for and for someone who's, this isn't like the first time, who, someone who knows Christianity knows the story. Like you can't have him be equal to God and still have all of these doubts within him. I, so, so I would I would say that in order to embrace the humanity, our humanity, and in, in mm. order to go to the cross, embrace even the, the the shattered image that is within us, where doubts and despair would surface. 
Now, I was just wondering, why is it that whenever the gospel writers tell us Jesus prayed, they don't always tell us what he was praying about to the Father? Mm. But I thought perhaps, or rather the thought came to me, maybe when we see him at prayer, we, we are being told, try doing this and God will meet with you. And God will help you through it. Mm. And, and what mm. you experience of God there, yes, is probably privy to you, but it would be played out as you engage the world once you've gone through the importance of prayer. So, for example, um, the issue of death, the issue of opposition, um, these were all fabricated. Um, de death was a reality in terms of, 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 of the world, and it, theologically it's understood as part of the fall of man and the experience, therefore, of the fall of man where mm. death became a reality. Mm. Those are deep theological implications. Then you have the world that if you deal with power, you also deal with death because power gives the illusion that you can manufacture death according to your will, anybody that opposes you and so on. So in the world, we have this false perception that you have power. And, and so how, how, so in the hand, of those who are the powerful, there is an assumption death lurks. Mm. Now, many who are in power have moved away from the uncivilized way of, of showing you seem to have the power of death, like killing people with a sword and shooting people with a gun and all that kind of things. Even those who do so, do so in the, the dark of night, mm. most mm. cases. Um, but there's now this whole thing how do we deal with biochemical realities are they manufactured by god is 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 the world filled with with viruses in order for us to have a healthy immune system we have to have viruses to ensure that the system can fight against us mm. uh, to keep us going and strong i mean these are subjects way beyond our understanding so what role therefore does prayer have in it all being with god who ultimately is the one that can reveal to us not necessarily the full package of what's going on but give us an idea so that we can say what responses are we are we, are we supposed to have as we enter through the periods of desolation um I think I wrote a, um, an, 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 a prayer this week of, of the of the COVID nineteen differently than I've written when we first started out, where I make references to looking at these things as a um, a, a time of of learning. Um, may lessons learnt of spiritual renewal be the values with which we build a new society of justice. Peace and equality. So whilst we are facing this thing that seeks to want to take over our lives, what better way than to pray the positive or pray for the positive to happen mm. in a world where denigration is the reality of life? We say God transform us. Mm. 
or in, in a place where um, regulations and laws are written for the benefit of the powerful, we are saying to God in the theme, write on our hearts the law of love. So, so what God does with us and within us enables us to meet what we will find in, in, in the world. Um, when, I, when I do the prayer for the continued advocacy and awareness and activism against gender-based violence, what am I looking for here? Uh, again, the prayers around the kingdom of God's justice. Mm -hmm. To work in humanity so that we can address the violence within us and the violence outside of us. So I wonder whether just seeing Jesus at prayer brings mm -hmm. us to, to, to that reality of being called into a life of prayer that what he experienced in prayer would be our experience when we also learn how to pray from him. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I take that. It's just, yeah, it's a, uh, I, I just want to qualify my statement of earlier, like you can't believe in the wrath of God and the, the full knowing of omnipotent God, because how can you be punished for something that was known <laughs> is going to occur, <laughs> you know that, that that it has never made any sense to my brain <laughs> that you can believe that this deity knows everything. He's the Alpha and the Omega, but still he will punish you for the things he knows you are going to do. Like, yeah, it it doesn't sit well with me. Um, <laughs> But yeah. if we yeah. but if we listen to his beloved son, as the world is called to do on Transfiguration Sunday as at the baptism, what difference will that where our responses to what we are engaged by in this life may lead us to the consequence of punishment because we've made that choice? What does listening to, to Jesus mean? And what does praying to God mean in terms of engaging the world? Because we're walking through this and we cannot uh, um, we cannot see ahead of us. As you say, only he who is the Alpha and the Omega can see ahead of us. So does he really punish or is it the consequences of us choosing not to listen? We are invited to listen. We can choose not to listen. We're mm. invited to pray. Mm. We can choose not to pray. What happens then if we make that choice to, to not take up what could be beneficial to us because we want to do it my way? Then, then there will be consequences. But is that the consequences, is it God's way of enforcing consequences or is that the result of what comes to us because of the choices that we make? Because we have got choices. You know, one of the beautiful things about, about life is God gives us the gift of memory. And if we choose to reflect on memory, we can learn so much of what mistakes we've made in the past and can choose. And above all, here in this reading is listen to why do we need to listen to Jesus is the question that I have to ask myself. Because when I listen to everything else, where does it lead me to? Listen, not just listen, listen to the beloved son mm. of the father. Why do we need to listen to these, this older brother? <laughs> why? Why? He has, he's got 
as it were, the father's reference as the one to whom we must listen, as the beloved. Why is he calling us to do that, inviting us to do that? Um, what is it about the listening power that can make me change my life? You had to listen to your heart when you saw this advert of this new possible job opportunity. And you had to work your way through to the point of where you make your response to it. And if you did not listen with, I mean, listening comes to as part of reading you. As you read, you listen to the message that is being broadcasted. You make a response to it. Out of this response, opportunity arises. Mm. When we choose not to listen, what happens then? We lose the opportunity of opportunity arising. Mm. The consequences then of listening is with us, isn't it? That it is. And I am fully on board with the idea that the consequences of your actions or your choices is what it is. It's your personal responsibility. And I am on board with the idea that subscribing to a philosophy based on universal love for each other and fair treatment is the way forward. Um, so isn't it interesting? Yeah. Isn't it therefore interesting? If I'm sorry to cut your word. No, no, no. That so often we, we, would, we would raise up the theological perspective of a God that punishes. Uh, and how did we get to that perspective? But we don't even speak of the transfiguration as that occasion when God allowed three men who could easily have misunderstood this and gone and spoke their minds off, but brought them into the frame and then directs them what's beneficial for them going forward. This is my son, so he identifies Jesus. He is the beloved, so listen to him then you, you will hear in him that you are beloved. You will hear in him that you are my children. Uh, and so in hearing him throughout of your life, so you will grow in, in, in my knowledge. And I wonder if that's the whole thing about prayer, transform us in your image, your Lord, and write your, your name. Because I mean, our hearts are disobedient, so we need to, to have it, the law of love written on our hearts. So, so my, my thing would be, we so easily talk about this God of punishment, which we, which we get from where? How, is that, that, how did that theology develop? Um, and yet here is the one who connects us with the Old Testament experience of Elijah and Moses and points the way to Jesus. Why don't we speak about that God? He, mm. he, he, he's not ashamed of the Old Testament, but it's our reading or interpretation of the Old Testament. But, and sadly... When you listen to those that keep quoting the prophets and keep quoting the, the Old Testament, you often would hear that behind that kind of theology is, um, and forgive me for my words, a Skopskit and D kind of mm. vision mm. of God. It's, it's misuse of the scripture. It's a misuse of the scripture. And we can see how that, began to be problematic in the American society. Now they're sitting with those who were um, uh, in, in internal terrorists of their country that were shaped by that kind of thinking. 
one of them said, we, when we get back our country, we will, we will then create it to be a biblical society. What does he mean? Yeah. He means yeah. no blacks, only white people. That's the kind of biblical narrative he's talking about. And it's an Old Testament, assumedly an Old Testament. It's a misused Old Testament thing. Mm. They've mm. not read the scripture in a listening way. Mm. Hence, we end up with um, an, an American influence in our theology, uh, 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 an, an influence of, you see, when we talk about the God of punishment, we mean, therefore, that those of us who have power have also the power of punishment. Mm. I um, think so. Is a I, light failing above my head. I see, I see, I see, I see, yes. <laughs> So I am soon going to, you'll be uh, in darkness and I will have to call <laughs> you out of darkness into light. <laughs> so I am going to wrap up from my side. Father, are there any points of reflection you can extract from the prayers of the church? Certainly. Thank you very much, uh, Lindsay. Yeah, this week we want to give thanks to God um, for the prophets who spoke his word into the context of the life of his covenant people. And we thank God that we as his church is called to proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord. And I think it's important for us to add God calls us to be a listening church. And so in our listening to God, we pray that God may cleanse the church from its squabbling divisions and that God will call diverse people around his table so that we may honor our fellow guests. As we pray, we sing and give thanks to the Lord whose works are wonderful. We also pray that and open our hearts to his justice and his verse and cult, we may ask God to create us into a common humanity and to celebrate the diversity. We ask the Lord Jesus to also cleanse our communities from prejudice and bitterness and also to help us celebrate diverse ways of being so that we can honor the gifts in our brothers and sisters. We also ask the Lord Jesus to cleanse us in our healing, illness and sickness, opening our hearts to his wholeness and healing and to pour out his healing touch on all who are sick in our parish, in the community and in the world, those of our congregants who are in hospital as a result of the COVID-19 and um, Rosetta is there as we pray to for Leonard and, and uh, we ask God's healing upon them. And then we remember those who have died and we thank Jesus that he has broken the hold of death. So we we ask God to grant Eddie Valentine the gift of eternal life and Lorraine Davids, both who have died in the past week and um, whose 
funerals will be held in a new uh, or current times of COVID-19. And if you permit me to pray them as Lindsay, author of Life, Healer of the Nations, thank you for wisdom to develop vaccines. Bless its implementation with the spirit of equity. Continue to help us keep each other safe with unselfish attitude and bring your world to freedom from this destructive scourge. May lessons learned of spiritual renewal be the values with which we build a new society of justice, peace, equality. In the name of Jesus, who proclaimed your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Amen. And then we continue to speak out against gender-based violence and any form of violence. And in our prayers of awareness, advocacy, and activism, we pray, O oh God, who gathers up his faithful ones, may your kingdom of righteousness enter into our hearts and regulate our minds into your ways of justice so that violence and perpetrators addressed and victims restored and empowered. With the voiceless, we pray, God bless Africa, God our children, guide our leaders and give us peace for Jesus Christ's sake. Amen. And then in conclusion, we commission with the prayers of commission and blessing. My sisters and brothers, as we thank you for tuning in and as we encourage you to also give us feedback, come now and speak of what you have seen of God's glory. Do not cling to the holy moments when heaven overshadows you, but as the Lord lives, listen to Christ and follow him from the places of revelation to the places of mission. And may God shine the light of glory into your hearts. May Christ be with you and never leave you. And may the Spirit renew the image of God within you. Let us go in peace this into this week to love and to the hymn, Guide Me, O Thou Great Redeemer. Lindsay, thank you again for another splendid spot, a podcast um, for our parish.